0: You're listening to the Farm Report Podcast with Jake and Corey. Brought to you by Indians Baseball Insider and Broadcast on the Smoke Signals Podcast Network. We're talking Tribe. Hey, good afternoon and good evening, wherever and whenever you happen to be tuning in, we are glad to have you aboard. I'm Jake Dungan, senior contributor for Indians Baseball Insider, welcoming you to the first, uh, well actually the second regular season edition of the Farm Report podcast. That's right, we're back in the weekly groove. Uh, Apologies for it being a day late this week, we had some uh, scheduling conflicts, but We are here, and we're ready to talk prospects. Joining me, as always, is uh, IBI contributor Corey Christen. Corey, how does it feel to be in the swing of things in the minor
1: league season? Well, it feels good to be winners again, not just with the minors, but how about the Indians? If they lost that game to Seattle uh, last night, that series opener on Monday, we would have been uh, in a different mood today coming into this podcast. But uh, yeah, as you mentioned, now that the minor, minor league season's underway, first of all, we have great performances to talk about. And now that we're actually full swing, we're starting to kind of cool down from the hot starts, the not starts, the small sample sizes. We're starting to build up that um, that foundation of what are some of these prospects about? What do they need to do? What are they doing right now? I, I think it's a real interesting time of year as we get into the later parts of the month of April and some of these prospects that we've talked about in the past couple of weeks are still hanging around with, with some performances. And, you know, we're here to recap the week that was in the Indians' minor league organization. And we're thankful for the listeners for getting back in with us uh, this week. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Well, how, what do you say? We opened things up this week with some news that was actually just breaking as we went on the air here uh, a roster move for the Indians, sending down uh, infielder Eric Stamitz in favor of, uh, of uh, journeyman, minor league infielder Mike Freeman, who has bounced around the minors for a while. He's had some time in the majors as well, uh, most recently with the Cubs. and uh, But he's been in AAA for many years. Uh, he's 31 years old. He's played in the majors with uh, the Cubs, the Dodgers, the, uh, the Mariners, uh, the Diamondbacks. So he's been around a little bit. Uh, has you know some solid numbers uh, in 10 minor league seasons. He has a, a 289 average uh, with a 361 on base and a 386 slugging percentage. So he can hit for average and get on base. I, I get that um, but the question I have is, what does Yu Chang have to do to get on this team? Because seemingly the Indians are high on him. And, and I think as we discussed last week or in recent podcasts, the Indians have a good opportunity right now with the division seemingly being well in hand to really bring up some of these young kids and see what, uh, see what's what with them, who can contribute, who can't. I mean, we've already seen that with Eric Stamas. we see that he's, probably not ready, or he's probably not going to be a major uh, contributor at the Major League level, less him being sent back to Triple A. so why wouldn't you just uh, switch out one young player for another and bring up Yu Chang, a guy who can play shortstop, third base, and second base, and uh, try to see if he can uh, make an impact with the big league club and try to stabilize the future at one of the infield positions, I mean... Lindor is just starting his rehab assignment. Maybe this is just a temporary move, uh, bringing up Freeman, because they anticipate Lindor being ready within probably the next week or two. But uh, to not go with Yu Chang in a situation where uh, the Indians really could use uh, some youth in that lineup uh, to see if uh, they can try and find somebody to solidify the future – especially considering the fact that there are so many holes in the in the batting order right now. Maybe Chang could uh, provide uh, a glimpse into the future and potentially be a long-term solution. I don't know where exactly he would fit in right now, but with a, a, an opportunity open, I would think that the priority should be to give some of these young guys a, a shot to uh, play every day, throw them into the fire and see what happens.
1: Uh, this seems like a, a ideal opportunity. Wouldn't you agree, Corey? It's not like the Indians are this fledgling youth only team that's going to finish last in the division. No, they're a contender. But at the same time, you have guys like Jose Ramirez and Jason Kitness who have been there, and they are veterans who can guide younger talent uh, that are currently filling in for a guy like Francisco Lindor. You know, they don't have to necessarily self serve, whether it's Chang or it was Stamets or whoever it may be they can give them pointers here and there. They can mentor them in some ways that can be useful for them down the road. So with Yu Chang being as young as he is at 23, and if you look at his progression through the minor leagues, he's played in every level in succession and hasn't been, you know, two seasons in A or three in A ball. No, he's progressed pretty fluidly since signing as an international free agent. Uh, I think it was 2013 he signed, and then he started his – Uh, career with the Indians in 2014 so in five years he's in triple a he's in second year of triple a and this isn't like he's some journeyman like Freeman is I think it would have been a better idea to bring him up to get him that experience to give him that taste um because you see that with with some players there are players that have been in the minor leagues for a few years maybe they are groomed as top prospects which for the last Two or three years, Jake, Yu Chang has been a consensus, what, top 10, if not top 15 prospect in this system. Maybe top so, five
0: in some instances.
1: Yeah, so when you have a guy like Chang, and we know how the Indians are with some of their prospects. We know how when, and granted, they're their best prospects, like Lindor and Bradley Zimmer, when they were coming up at AAA, they did didn't rush them at all to get to the big leagues. I don't know I don't know if this is necessarily the same thing with Yu Chang, but if there was an argument against bringing him up, it would be that he's hitting 171 in 10 games so far in Columbus. But if you want to bring out that argument, I would come back and say, yeah, but in 11 games in spring training this year with the Indians, he hit 300. He was 6 of 20 at the plate, uh, three doubles, a home run, five RBIs. No walks seven strikeouts. That's not awful. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be upset over that. So I think he's shown the ability. I think he's paid some of his dues. He's been groomed as a top prospect, and I think he deserves that due. Now, I hope this isn't a continuing trend with him and that he eventually does get that chance. I don't know how long this Mike Freeman thing is going to last past Lindor if it does, but now Max Moroff is that utility infielder who's pretty much there to stay. And Chang, I wrote about this last week when talking about some of the Indians' middle infield options, it's that Chang is the next man up. There's no prospect ahead of him that's major league ready. Um, If there wasn't his rearview mirror, it's Ernie Clement who just got his full season kicked off in Akron. So I don't think Clement would pass Chang up necessarily, but now if something happens to be it Freeman or Moroff or, God forbid, Kipnis, you would think Chang's that next guy up. So... I don't think anything's necessarily changed when it comes to the stock of Yu Chang, but at the same time, just as we're talking about here, it's kind of a head scratcher as to why they called up Mike Freeman over him. Yeah, and
0: uh, if we're going to base this on performance, I mean, I know that it's early in the season, small sample sizes and what have you, and Chang, I grant you, has not hit the ball very well in AAA at all to start the year, but guess what? Neither has Mike Freeman. I mean, he's batting two oh eight. He does have three... Three homers, uh, so he is tied for the team lead in that, along with Eric Haas. He has five RBIs, also tied for the team lead... Actually, second uh, uh, on the team in RBIs, and second to Yu Chang, as a matter of fact. And, you know, he can get on base a little bit. He's got nine walks versus seven strikeouts. So, okay, I, I can understand that, but I don't understand calling a guy up who has... Very little major league experience or a guy who uh, is a top prospect who you would like to give a chance to while you have the unique opportunity that the Indians do uh, with a, a little more uh, wiggle room as far as uh, the division standings going and trying to clinch a playoff berth. Uh, bring up some of these guys and see what they can do. Also, you might want to scratch your head as to why Ryan Flaherty wasn't considered. He was in camp for uh, a big league job this spring. I don't think Mike Freeman was uh, considered at all during uh, camp. Flaherty, by all accounts, I think most of us had him making the team as the utility player over Eric Stamets, and he's batting uh, well over 300, 346. Uh, he has five doubles, five RBIs nine walks versus six strikeouts, and he is a seasoned Major League veteran. Spent a lot of time with the Orioles. And i if there's uh, another head-scratcher over Yu Chang, it might be Ryan Flaherty at this point.
1: I would say so, too. And I wouldn't count out Mark Mathias if that need had to shift to second base. I'm not sure if they would shift Chang to second base. I just kind of want to make the point that there are options in Columbus, including Mark Mathias, who could play a middle infield in a pinch if you need him. So... Of all the options, I guess if you asked me before the Indians made this move to bring up uh, Freeman and send down statements, I wouldn't have thought it would be Freeman, given they were sending statements down, if that wording made sense. I would have probably said, yeah, okay, they're sending statements down. Here comes Yu Chang. Or they're sending statements down. Here comes Ryan Flaherty. No, it's Mike Freeman. So... I don't know if this is them giving Mike Freeman his due, because he has paid dues. Let's not cut him short of that either. Mike Freeman has paid dues in the minor leagues through, throughout the number of years, but I I, I don't know. I, I hope it works out. I hope that Yu Chang kind of sees this as a, okay, they didn't pick me. A little bit of motivation there, a little bit of fire under his, under his belly. I, I'm not sure what Yu Chang would make of this, but... He's getting to that point where I don't. I hope they don't just view him as that utility option a la Eric Gonzalez behind Lindor because, you know, we have a couple of years left of Francisco Lindor as per the owner of the Indians, and would Yu Chang be around that long or would it be the next man up like an Ernie Clement or even down in low with a Tyler Freeman? So we'll see what happens from here out, I guess. And for Yu Chang's sake, I hope he kind of looks at this as motivation and can put its head down and kind of proved to the Indians that he is ready to get that call back up. I I hope and I tweeted this and you said it. I hope it's not another Yandy Diaz scenario. Right. That's uh and every time we
0: look at what's going on with him in Tampa Bay and you know, we see stories about him being a rising star. It just uh it, it I mean, again, I'm I'm a Jake Bowers fan. I think he's going to be uh going to be a good outfield option for the Indians and Maybe even first-based option, uh, depending on what the future of Carlos Santana looks like. And uh, and Bobby I, Bradley. And Bobby Bradley, yes. and But, yeah, that I think the Indians really missed the boat on, and it could
1: be another Jesus Aguilar situation. But you know what? It, it, just like with Aguilar, just briefly here, just like with Aguilar, does Yandy Diaz do what he's doing if he's still with the Indians? I don't know if he does. That's
0: that's true, but uh, I think that he has enough of a track record in the minor leagues, probably more of a track record than Aguilar did, uh, to be successful and to expect that kind of success at the major league level. I know the power was a big sticking point for uh, probably the organization and a lot of the fans, but uh, I just don't believe that if – uh, Yandy Diaz was still here, that he wouldn't somehow be helping his team in the state that it's in right now. So it, you can't sell me on that. Um, bef- before we move <laughs> on, I wanted to, uh, yeah, just kind of close up the uh, this part of the discussion here. The only way that Mike Freeman... Uh, bringing up Mike Freeman right now makes sense in my mind. It's if Francisco Lindor is going to be up in the major sooner rather than later. So if it's like a one week, maybe even two week fill in, then maybe you can justify it in some way. But even then, uh, two weeks of a two week opportunity, uh, to start at shortstop for the Indians. Uh, I would still consider giving you Chang a shot for that unless it's like a service time issue, which we've seen before. Uh, With guys like Lindor uh, trying to keep them, that add that extra year of uh, control on the back end. Um, But even Ryan Flaherty, I think, would make more sense uh, for that two-week period, but who knows. Uh, It just seems like a head-scratcher all around, but like I said, the only way it makes sense of it is if Lindor is uh, soon... Is closer to returning than uh, we probably uh, envisioned at this point. So, um, I wanted to talk a little bit. Let's jump down to Lake County. I want to talk about a guy who we've talked about extensively over the years since he was drafted, but a guy who we haven't really, who hasn't really caught a lot of attention so far this year, other than you know we hope that he's able to finally put things together at the plate. Uh, Will Benson has quietly but surely had a solid start to his 2019 campaign as he is batting two eighty one with a three ninety five on base, a five ninety four slugging percentage, he's got two home runs, two doubles, a triple, he's stolen three bases, he's got six RBIs, uh, he's walked six times compared to 14 strikeouts. Uh, the strikeout total is pretty high, but when you pair it with that walk total, it's not... It's not terrible, so uh, Benson, you know, we talked about him, the struggles he had last year, a ton of strikeouts, he did walk a lot, but uh, was pretty much the three-outcome player last year, home run, walk, strikeout. This year, at least in the early goings, it looks like he's starting to do a little more of everything at the plate, hitting for average, doing things besides hitting home runs. Still striking out a bit, but he's you know showing his speed. He's already got three steals. He had 12 last year. Uh, Benson's showing some uh, good things in
1: the early goings, wouldn't you say? I would say so too, and I'm really glad that this is starting to happen, and I hope it continues because. I'll admit I was hard on the the Will Benson has to figure it out train before the season started because of that all-or-nothing approach, because of that three-true outcome factor that you talked about. But now he's drawing a half more walk per strikeout. He's putting contact. He's putting the bat on the ball. He's not going all-or-nothing, home run, drive to the warning track, whatever. If you notice what he has done so far this season – He has nine hits and five of them are for extra bases or their home runs. So as compared to last year, when you look at 54 hits and that included 22 doubles and 11 or excuse me, 22 home runs and 11 doubles and a triple that's 34 out of 54. That's a, that that's literally over half. That is a big rate. So He's starting off that kind of path right now. It's just that the hits are more this season. He's he's obviously getting more base hits at, at a higher rate, 281 average, through those nine games. And the strikeout and the walk thing doesn't really concern me that much right now because he is drawing more walks. If this was 14 strikeouts to three walks, I might say, okay, it's still a little more all or nothing. He's just getting lucky with contact and, He probably has a a high batting average on balls in play. I haven't looked at the advanced metrics, but he's also not, um, how do I put this, flying out as much. He's actually hitting a a little more line drives. He's taking the approach to put the bat on the ball to get line drives rather than just to try to elevate it and hope it goes far. He's averaging just under uh, one ground up per air out, but that's, Almost double from last season. I mean it's he only had almost half of a ground out per air out last year. So he's trying, I think, to make a cognizant effort to flatten his swing a little bit rather than try to uppercut it and try to just hit a home run or get the ball to, out to the gap and get it out to the wall. He's shortening the swing, and that was a question coming into the season. How is he going to be able to do that if at all? So look. We're hitting the part of the uh, of the season. It's the second week of the year. It's the, okay, the, the the luster of the season starting is over. It's time to really get it in gear here and start to figure things out. And he's accustomed with the teammates. If you look at the lineup nightly for Lake County, it's pretty dangerous with Fermin, Freeman, Will Benson, uh, Marcos Gonzalez hitting around him. I keep going on some names, but... I think that when you have a guy like Will Benson producing in a lineup, what he has as not just a power threat, but also his speed. One triple, he's got three steals without being caught stealing yet. So he's a threat to run, he's a threat for power. This is the package the Indians were looking for when they drafted, and he's taking the steps to being closer to that player than closer to the bus player we thought he had last season.
0: Correct, yeah, and that's... uh... That's, that's all good points. I'm looking at some of the uh, metrics for Benson right now. He does have a 438 uh, batting average on balls in play. This is a small sample go. size, though, so uh, probably we'll see some inflated numbers. That's pretty high, though, and we'll see if that uh, evens out and how that what happens when it does. But, you know, he's showing good. Uh, you mentioned, like, the, the line drive rate, and he is hitting the ball uh, for more line drives uh, 27.8% line drive rate. That's up from 19.5% last year. Uh, You know, he's he is hitting the ball on the ground a little bit more, but I think that his natural speed and athleticism can help him out there. Not relying on hitting the ball in the air so much, which, you know, we live in the launch angle era, but I think that there could be something to him not hitting the ball in the air as much because... You know what the results show that he's either hitting a home run or he's probably flying out a lot and striking out a lot. So
1: balance. Um, it's all about balance. The the one
0: thing that concerns me is he's pulling the ball considerably more in the early goings here. Sixty one point one percent pull rate. Maybe that could work out well for him. Maybe he's just one of those guys who is better a better pull hitter. But uh, he's always been kind of that way. Over fifty percent pull rate in each of his uh, first uh, four three plus seasons to date. Uh he's he can't hit the ball up the middle or the to the opposite field. It's just it's just a matter of trying to uh figure out how to balance it a little bit better. So this is something to keep an eye on uh as the season wears on, see if things start to level out with that uh batting average on balls in play and uh you know, the pull rate, see if see if things just even out altogether and Uh, if maybe he comes back to earth a little bit and how he uh, is able to adjust to that. But the early early showing looks pretty good, especially with the walk rate and uh, him spreading the ball around a little bit more. So um, moving right along, let's talk a little bit about um, Sticking in Lake County, a guy who you mentioned already, who is really uh, out to show that uh, last year was no fluke. I'm talking about Tyler Freeman who really is uh uh showing the captains and the Indians that uh he is the real deal at least in your early goings. You know, he started off a little bit slow but he's picking up picking it up as of late. He's got two multi-hit games in his last 5. He's batting 294. Uh he's got five walks versus only one strikeout. He's stolen three bases. Uh he's got three doubles, two RBIs, seven runs scored. This is, I think, the the top more of the Tyler Freeman we can expect. I know he was a big middle of the lineup hitter for uh, the captain or for the uh, scrappers last year, and I think he's a guy who fits more as a top of the lineup kind of profile. As he, as he has some speed, he can hit for average, he can get on base. Um, I think that uh, what he's shown with the captains right now might fit more in line with with that uh, with the speed and with the extra base hit ability and the ability to score some runs. Uh, I I like what I'm seeing from Tyler Freeman right now. The five walks versus one strikeout—that's really impressive for uh, him starting his first full season and. I just uh, am very intrigued to see how how this continues and how he continues to pick things up at the plate. And is this – he does this for uh, the long term this season? I mean, he's already a top prospect, but we could be looking at the – as you said, the next big middle infield prospect probably behind uh, Yu Chang and maybe uh, Ernie Clement.
1: Freeman did a lot of his damage last season at Mahoney Valley from that two-spot. Um, And I think he's coming back to that comfortability now with the captains. Last season, the top of the Mahoney Valley lineup was Jose Fermin and Tyler Freeman. And as a quick side note, Fermin is another story as a prospect. He's, I think, rising, not quickly, but he's rising. His stock is on the rise as a table setter, as a speed threat, as a pretty solid second baseman. So um, I would watch out for him later on. But when it comes to Freeman... I've said before about the captain's lineup about how there's so much depth behind him that he could breathe a little easier and he can work as a short order swing guy. He can work as a guy that can get on base to further set the table for guys like Will Benson and Mitch Reeves, who's had a hot start and Marcos Gonzalez, the guys hitting behind him. So Freeman last season in Mahoning Valley had an MVP type year for the New York Penn league hit, Uh, 352 in 72 games this season he's drawing more walks and he didn't really do that as much last season he drew eight walks in 72 games in 2018 he's already got five in nine games so patience is starting to pay off as great of a season as Freeman had last year in Mahoning Valley his on-base percentage is actually 10 points higher right now than it was last year it was 405 last year And it's at 415 through nine games. So if Freeman's secret to him improving is patience, then who knows where this guy can go as a prospect. He already has shot up in the ranks because of his standout season last year. But if he continues to put the line drives on and take more pitches and pitchers will start throwing him things to hit. I think that's like a lost art in this game is that Pitchers are going to throw things over the plate for you to hit at one point during this at-bat. Not every pitch is going to be a painted corner or outside the zone. Something's going to be left over the zone. So if Tyler Freeman, rather than trying to reach out for something outside and poke it out for a single, why not wait for that mistake pitch or that pitch that does get left up, and he can drive it for that line drive. So in turn, him being patient and taking more pitches is resulting in more walks. It's not really hard math and you know this, Jake, it's if you take pitches, odds are they might be a ball and you draw a walk. It's baseball. So Freeman has already shown that he has potential to hit. He doesn't have to really do much. He doesn't have to hit 350 again this year. He's at 294 right now, which if somehow that batting average rounded out the season and he finished with the Lake County captains at a 290 average, I'd be pretty darn happy with that. So, yeah, he's off to a hot start. He's off to a start that we thought he could improve on some of his stuff, and he's doing that so far. So this is a guy who I think could be dangerous down the road as an actual major league shortstop, or a second baseman for that matter, should they choose to move him. With Ernie Clement coming up through the ranks in A, and we talked about Yu Chang already, good middle infield crop the Indians have, and Freeman just adds to it.
0: Yeah, and we haven't even talked about guys like Marcos Gonzalez and uh, Junior San Quentin and some of these international players, Aaron Bracco. Uh, There's... A lot of middle infield talent in the system right now, and Tyler Freeman is is among the cream of the crop right now. And I think that, I agree with you, if he shows more patience and continues to show more patience, I mean, through nine games, as you said, five walks, already three away from last year's total, that's pretty impressive, and I'd be very intrigued to see what that total will look like at the end of the season and how it compares to his strikeout total, because, you know, last year he was an all-contact guy, which we've seen, you know, guys like Oscar Gonzalez uh, come up through the ranks uh, like that, but more often than not, those guys uh, hit a wall at some point just because they can't draw walks as often. If Freeman can prove he's capable of drawing walks, that is another layer, layer to his uh, prospect profile, in my opinion, and his uh, big league potential, so... Very nice to see that. You mentioned under the radar guys like Jose Fermin. There's a couple right now in uh, There's a couple right now in Lynchburg who are off to uh, pretty good starts. Uh, who you know we we're either at one point top prospects or are just lying underneath uh, underneath the radar scope there. And so far this year, they have been uh, sensational for the Hillcats. Being uh, key pieces to the lineup, I'm talking about Jod Carter, who I know you're familiar with, Corey and uh, Tyler Freeze, uh, guys who you know have been solid on and off throughout the years, but uh, have never really quite put it all together yet. Uh, Freeze is not hasn't been as long around as, long as Carter has, but uh, you know Freeze last year batted a 242. Uh, he had more walks than strikeouts. Thirty-nine walks to thirty-five strikeouts. He had three homers, uh, thirty-three RBIs, uh, stole eight bases. So, you know, he's kind of a, a in-between guy. You don't know where exactly he fits in in the lineup. He's not really your typical top-of-the-order speedster, but he's not like a middle-of-the-lineup thumper either. He's just a guy who can be solid all around. Uh, this year, he's batting three fourteen. He has eleven walks versus eight strikeouts so far. Uh, Four doubles, nine RBIs, as I said, batting 314, 907 OPS. Carter, on the other hand, is really setting the table for uh, Lynchburg. I think he's their primary leadoff hitter this year. And he's batting 333. He's got two homers, uh, three doubles, three RBIs, seven walks versus nine strikeouts. I know strikeouts have been an issue for him in the past. Uh, One stolen base. Another guy who, you know is kind of in between as well. He has decent power and has shown it in the past. Uh, Most recently, you know, he hit 11 home runs each of the last two years. Uh, It's tough to figure out where exactly these guys fit in, but uh, they're off to good starts and maybe they could be on their way to trying to make a name for themselves this year. I know Carter is back in high A for the second straight season. He finished off the year... Last year in Akron, he's probably hoping to get back up there. Freeze is playing in Lynchburg for the second time as well, but he only played in 20 games toward the tail end of last year. So uh, he's off to a decent start, and I think he was off to a good start last year too in Lake County. Made a decent impact and then kind of tailed off as the season went on. But two guys who you know, are not big prospect names, but are really hitting the ball well right now.
1: Not big prospect names. In fact, Neither of them were drafted before the 20th round. Tyler freeze was a 21st round pick in 2017 and John Carter was a 24th round pick in 2014. So Carter has been throughout the system for what? This is his fifth season now. Um, And I think when I look at him, I see a a future table center, the potential we, we talked about a guy like Steven Kwan last week. I see a lot of similarities between Kwan and uh, Carter. In that they're not exactly big guys, and with that, they kind of use that to their advantage in some ways, as table setters, add speed uh, threats on the base paths, as pretty good fielders as well. But John Carter, with 11 home runs the past two seasons, given his size, he's listed at 5'10", 170. Not the biggest guy, so given 11 home runs last season, 11 home runs in 2017, um, and actually a couple in 2016 too. So he's kind of picked up the, the power of the last couple of seasons. And last year, he fared off a little better in this in the uh, strikeout and the walk the, and the walk department. He cut down on his strikeouts by about 20 last year while hitting for a better average. He had 251 last year compared to 239 in 2017. So he's steadily improving. And even in that little sample in Akron that he had, 19 games he had 290 with a 338 on base. Uh, He had a home run, four RBIs, and a triple. So he's shown some flashes here and then, and he's becoming a a pretty good depth option for the Indians. Tyler Fries, amongst the upper echelon of the middle infield talent the Indians have in the organization, you really wouldn't think of Tyler Fries, but he has been a really good complementary piece in the past to guys like Dylan Persinger, who's still in uh, Lynchburg as well. With guys like Ernie Clement, who has just flown through the minor leagues so far, and even to an extent um, with uh, – I mentioned Ernie Clement. I'm thinking of – oh my gosh, the name I'm blanking on. But anyway, I look at a guy like Tyler Freeze, and he's been shoved down depth charts was my point in the minor leagues so far throughout his career. Now granted, it's only a, a full two seasons, and last year he played in just 79 games. So he had some injury concerns last year and uh, spent time on the injured list in September. Um, and then after he got the call up from Mooney Valley to Lake County, he started off the season uh, in June with some injury concerns. So I think that he had a pretty nice bounce back when he did come when he did come back. I'm not going to cry over 242 in those 79 games, but. As a guy that has been thought of as a depth option, I I think he had a pretty decent year. And now, through 10 games hitting three fourteen, he's seen opportunities. He's had the chances to perform now. So, we'll see if he continues it. It, You know, the pedigree is that, you know, he's not a high-round pick, so a lot of people might doubt that he can. But, you know, the Indians do a pretty good job with their middle infield depth throughout the drafts. So... I think he can. I think he can continue it. He's going to get more playing time. He's going to get plenty of chances, and we'll see what happens.
0: I think he profiles as a solid uh, utility infield option down the line because of you know his ability to hit for average and draw a ton of walks. If he can draw more walks than strikeouts and be as versatile as he is, I think that uh, I think that he definitely profiles as a decent utility option. Very small, small in stature, five foot nine, uh, one hundred eighty pounds. Not a big dude at all, but uh, you know, he. I think that between him being able to play multiple positions, hit for some average, and draw a lot of walks, I think that uh, there's a some good uh, utility infielder potential in his future. I think the same could be said for Jod Carter too. I think he plays, he can play all three outfield positions, and have a little bit of pop and a little bit of speed uh solid uh, uh utility or fourth outfield option uh for a big league club potentially as well so i think the more that they show uh solid numbers and solid performances in the minor league levels the higher their uh chances of making a big league club at either the Indians or somebody else as, as a uh option on the bench uh just gets even higher. I mean, it sounds pretty obvious to say it that way, but uh, it is doesn't make it any less true. So good to see those
1: guys performing well to start the year. Um, uh, Luke Makamatsu—that's the name I blanked on. Right, I figured okay. it out. Yeah, I figured it out. But that's what—that well, was my point. Freeze was really shoved down the depth charts the first two years of his career, and then he battled some injuries last year. And now he's getting his chance. So you see this happen sometimes.
0: Yeah, definitely. So. Um, Good to see some under the radar guys perform. I love talking about guys who nobody really knows about and trying to get the get the word out on and say uh, these guys are uh, worth keeping an eye on. Um, so, uh, what do you say, Corey? Uh, before we get to the end of our show here, we unveil this week's uh, farm report player of the week. Now, before we before we do, I think that uh, we had uh, our picks, our first picks locked in. Uh, I had Daniel Johnson, who batted a buck 76, really cooled off at the plate. He did have a home run and four RBIs, but 686 OPS, not really doing much for me there. You, on the other hand, had Eli Morgan, who not only uh, p- pitched very well uh, in his one start last week, five innings, two hits, no runs allowed, one walk, nine strikeouts. He was named the Carolina League Pitcher of the Week uh, for last week, so... A very very good showing by you. Very strong first pick by you, and uh, he's he, Morgan really starting off the season well. Very nice to see. Um, but as far as this week's farmport player of the week goes, I don't think we can go any other direction than uh, than uh, one of the key late inning arms for the rover Ducks right now, and possibly one of the future key late inning arms for the Indians. Uh, James Karenchak, three games pitched, two. 2. 2 innings of work, did not allow any base runners, except maybe a catcher's interference, I think was, uh,
1: it was a catcher's in interference. Yeah. yeah.
0: And, uh, but other than that, he had eight strikeouts. So essentially he retired, essentially he retired every batter he faced via strikeout. I mean, what more could you say about that than other than what those stats say Retiring every batter. I think this so far this season, other than the first batter he faced and that catcher's interference, he walked the first batter he faced this year. He has retired every batter he has faced so far via the strikeout, and yeah, only he has, has. That, only has that one walk uh, on his on his record. I don't, don't believe as I pull up his numbers, he has allowed a hit yet. No, he has not. Oh. So tell you what, I don't know how much longer you can keep this guy in Akron if he's not walking batters and striking guys out the rate he is. He's drawn some Cody Allen comparisons due to his uh, fastball-curveball uh, combo. He can hit 97, 98 with his heater. Uh, he sits mostly in the mid-90s, like 94 to 96. Uh, but he's got that hammer-curveball that just is devastating and... I got to tell you, I don't know how much longer he's going to be in Akron. I don't know how much longer he's going to be in the minor leagues at this rate. Um, I don't know what the Indians' plans are for their bullpen moving forward. Uh, they just called up Nick Wickren, sent down John Edwards, trying to shuffle things around because of uh, usage because of uh, usage issues and trying to get some fresh arms in there, but Karinchak is seemingly, even though he's in double-A, I think he's the guy who's knocking on the door as far as relief pitching prospects right now.
1: I completely agree with that. Drafted less than two years ago, and he's mowing down batters in double-A. Now, I want to pinch a grain of salt on this, and I'm not trying to sway the Player of the Week nomination my way, but, okay, Karinczak, while he's been dominant, absolutely, every out he's recorded this season has become via strikeout. Um, he's only allowed one base runner and that was a walk. And then if you count the catcher's interference, so technically two, um, but he has faced Altoona three times out of his four appearances. And in two of those appearances, he threw more than 20 pitches to get out of an inning. So one inning of work, 20 pitches in one outing and then 21 in another. His first outing of the season was the 21 pitches, So I'll give him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt there. It was 21 pitches, 12 strikes. But then he came back against Trenton the next game, four days later. But he came back against Trenton the next game. uh, One inning, three strikeouts, 14 pitches, nine strikes. So perfect outing. Then he came back against Altoona. um, One inning, three strikeouts. He threw 20 pitches and 15 were strikes. Improvement. And then against Altoona again two-thirds of an inning, he got the save, both outs were strikeouts, and he threw eight pitches, six strikes. So he's gotten better over each outing this season, and he's one of the guys that we talked about even last year, was a guy that can move quickly through this organization, a la Nick Sandlin when the Indians drafted him. The, The repeatability of his pitches, the compact delivery he has, the ability to locate a fastball like you talked about, This is really a package that you look for in a reliever. And if he's drawing Cody Allen comparisons, those aren't bad ones to draw at all. I don't know if the Indians are going to wait for him to get a little more experience in Akron this year before making another move. But I can't think he sits in Akron all season long. Well-deserved a player of the week. I think he got some recognition from national prospect uh, people, either MLB Pipeline or whoever it was. Well, yeah, they As just
0: well. MLB Pipeline just basically tweeted out his stat line uh, or his his, uh, his outs log, uh from the start of the season. It was like walk, strikeout, 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 catcher's interference, strikeout, 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 something like that. I remember retweeting it. So uh, yeah, Karencheck is, and I mean I know we're we're pretty high on uh, Henry Martinez and uh, Nick Sandlin, guys who should probably be. Uh, higher in the pecking order right now than uh, Jack, but if you were to put a gun to my head, I think I tweeted this out, or maybe I wrote about it in my forthcoming Four Thoughts piece, which we'll be posting tomorrow. Uh, If you put a gun to my head right now and and named a a relief pitching prospect in the entire Indians farm system right now, who could come up right now and help the Indians, without batting an eye, I would say James Jack.
1: He is 15 of 15 on save chances. 123 strikeouts to 46 walks, and opponents are hitting 219 off him. So when he is giving something up, it's a base hit. He's not walking a ton of guys. He's not giving up the long ball. Uh, he's only given up three home runs over the last three years. So I think that this is a guy who can continue to move quickly. How How soon do you think it takes for him to get to Columbus if he continues this? It can't be long.
0: I don't see it happening either. If he continues at this rate, I would probably say uh, over the next couple weeks, if this is the kind of stuff we continue to see, I'm not saying, like, strike out every batter kind of stuff, but if he's not allowing runs and not allowing walks, um, I I don't see him sticking in Akron very much longer because, you know, we saw Cody Allen fast-track through the minor league system when he was coming up, and... Given that the Indians are looking for a long-term solution uh, as far as late-inning arms, uh, aside from Brad Hand, uh, I think Karachak fits the bill pretty well right now and could deserve a look uh, as soon as... I wouldn't be surprised if he's in Cleveland before the All-Star break if I'm being truly honest here.
1: I don't know if I'd be surprised by it, but I could see how it could happen. I'd say that.
0: Yeah, so uh Chak in the meantime, very deserving of this first Player of the Week award here on the podcast. Uh very fun to watch him pitch and yeah, as you said, the game logs show, you know, he's had to work for some of those uh some of those outs, but he's gradually improved over the course of the season so far and it's gonna be fun to watch him continue to pitch and I don't know how much longer he's gonna be in Akron, but I hope to be able to catch him pitch again. Uh, for the rubber ducks before he gets moved up again. So, all right, Corey, before we uh, wrap things up here, we got to make our picks for the final, uh, for the next uh, player of the week. Uh, Who do you have?
1: I'm going to go down to Lake County again, and he hasn't started off on the right foot in his affiliated debut, but I think this could be a turnaround week for him. Now that he's got about a week and a half under his belt, talking about Bo Naylor, 179 in eight games, He's got a double and four RBIs. He's drawn six blocks and struck out 11 times. Not a great start for him. And he's being chased right now with by Josh Rolette with playing time. And Rowlett has played well. He's hit 292 in the same eight games. So I think Bo Naylor has a shot here to turn it around. I'm going to go with him in a little unconventional way now that I have a little bit of clout built up for my first pick.
0: Yeah, you're already picking up where you left off last year, uh, making some solid picks, uh, taking the Eli Morgan. That's three points for you to start things off, uh, building a, building a nice lead early. So, uh, we'll see how, uh, how this continues over the course of the season, a boat nail is a solid pick. He's on the downside right now. I think he could be on his way back up as the weather warms up. Definitely. Um, I'm going to actually s- uh stick in Akron, though. I know him we with Daniel Johnson last week. I'm going to go with the guy who is slowly but surely picking things up again and really uh, showing what he's what he's been all about pretty much since he started in the minor league system, and that's uh, Mitch Longo, who picking things up lately. He had a uh, four-game hit streak that was uh, snapped on uh, Monday, but in those four games, he had three multi-hit games. His batting average is up to .306. He's drawn some walks. He has three walks versus eight strikeouts, which I know was kind of, kind of a thing where you know he could draw walks, but you know the he wasn't drawing them at quite the rate that maybe uh, he needed to to be a, a legitimate top of the lineup threat. But he's got a home run. He's got seven RBIs. He doesn't have any of the extra base hits yet. He has two stolen bases. He had 18 last year in his first full season with Lynchburg. Um, finally, he looks like he's healthy and putting his injury pass behind him. He played in 119 games last year. I'm going to go with Mitch Longo just because I think he's starting to heat up. And uh, we've seen when he gets locked in, it's hard to slow him down.
1: Being back home in Northeast Ohio, I think that does something for him.
0: Definitely. I mean, he was in the Carolina League last, all of last year. Uh, he's in Akron. He probably gets to go home uh, after the games. I mean, uh, uh, Mayfield's not too far of a drive from Akron. And, yeah, he, I would imagine that he's probably spending some time at home while he's been playing uh, for the Rubber Ducks so far. And, it mu- yeah, it must be nice.
1: I'm currently on Google Maps navigating Mayfield, Ohio to Canal Park. And I'm going to see exactly how far it is. I want the exact number. It is 40 minutes. It is a 40 minute drive to Mayfield. Mayfield Heights is even uh, is even a shorter drive. So, hey, I think to be exact,
0: he's like in Gates Mills, which is right in right within the Mayfield city limits. There,
1: still about 30 to 40 minute drive to work every day. You know, when you're playing minor league baseball, you're going through that grind. That's got to be nice to have home cooking every here and then. So good for him if he's actually doing that. I'd have to. I'd. Have, I'd like to read a story up on that. Yeah, I remember when uh,
0: Percy Garner was with Akron uh, a couple years ago, and you know he's a Dover, Ohio native. Dover's yeah. about. A, Dover's about a forty-five hour drive from Akron, so he got to spend a lot of time at home too, and I know it was a big factor in him sticking yeah. with Akron for a little while, sticking with, coming to the organization.
1: We um we interviewed him, remember for a remote
0: yeah, we did the live remote there. he, he was a great guy. I was glad he's yeah. a great story. I mean I know I wish it could have ended better. He could have had more longevity in Cleveland, but man he got got getting to see him uh live out his childhood dream of uh, playing and pitching on the mound at, at Progressive Field the place where he saw a lot of games growing up it's it's got it was such a great story and you could tell he was pretty jacked about it when we talked about it with him.
1: Yeah, I mean, those kind of stories you root for, and uh, he's he's a rootable guy, and you hope for Mitch Longo, similar thing, Northeast Ohio guy, not far from Cleveland, odds are, I don't know, because I haven't asked him, but odds are he grew up an Indians fan back in the 90s, back when they were winning, so he probably really, really wants this, <laughs> lack of better words.
0: Yeah, and uh, there's probably only a trip to columbus uh lying between him and potentially making it up to cleveland but yeah definitely a guy to root for so uh and as we said uh time and time again all this guy has known how to do since uh joining the indians organization has hit he's had some injury shortened seasons but career 308 batting average 369 on base 442 slugging he's got a career 812 ops not too shabby at all when you look at Thing, look when you look at things uh overall as far as his career goes.
1: And he's got room to get better, so we'll see what happens.
0: Alright, Corey. Well, so we got our picks locked in for next week. Congrats on your uh uh on smoking me in this week's up pick. Uh hopefully Daniel Johnson's able to pick things up because I do believe he's got uh, very good potential to be a major league impactful major league player at some point. But uh Eli Morgan, it's hard to it's hard to go against him and what he's uh, what he's been able to do. And then congrats to James Karinchak. Keep up the good work, sir. You're doing great things in the Akron bullpen right now, and it's only a matter of time before you get moved up to the next level and maybe even get up to Cleveland. Who knows? So uh, final thoughts before we close up shop today, Corey.
1: Good luck, not baseball-related, but good luck to the Columbus Blue Jackets in the NHL playoffs. I'm not a Blue Jackets guy, but I – obviously follow being in ohio they are currently leading the tampa bay lightning who won the president's cup best record in the nhl they're currently leading two to one in game number four of the stanley cup playoffs in the first round which would be a sweep which is almost unheard of for the president's cup winners to get swept in the first round and if they win they'd be in the blue jackets they would Move on to the second round to face the winner of uh, Toronto and Boston. That will be a great series. But good luck to them in the Stanley Cup playoffs. This is a really cool time of the year. Obviously, the Cavaliers not in the NBA playoffs. Um, we got both of them going on at the same time. So a lot of good sports happening right now, especially with March Madness ending and baseball starting up. Good luck to the Blue Jackets.
0: Yeah, the
1: Masters ended. Tiger Woods winning. Oh, I that, cried. I, that... I, I, I'm, a, I'm a Tiger honk. I cried. I was that... so happy. I'm still happy over
0: it. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. That, I mean, I, my dad uh, and I watched golf growing up, and I was a Tiger Woods fan growing up. So, yeah, this is – not to get too far off subject here, but would you say that the Tiger Woods 2019 Masters victory might be the greatest comeback story in modern sports history?
1: yes individual individual because there was a certain basketball team that was down 3-1 in the NBA finals a couple years Very ago Very
0: true but I'm saying like over like a long term like we thought this guy was down and out and yep. they rebounded and then he rebounds and wins possibly the greatest uh the greatest prize that the sport has to offer
1: uh, It's not that we didn't think he was down and out he told us he literally told the media he's down and out he's done he can barely sit he could barely stand. He could barely walk, and here he is after three back fusions in three years, putting on the most coveted prize in sports. I don't care what you think about any other sport. I'm not, I'm not talking about you, Jake. I'm talking about people listening. the The green jacket. If I had to pick one thing to have in sports as a trophy or as a keepsake or as you know, I went out and earned this. I wouldn't have the Stanley Cup. I wouldn't have any other trophy i want a green jacket i want to be a masters champion that is unbelievable what he did it is the greatest individual comeback story in sports history
0: totally agree so uh, uh getting back to minor league baseball though and the subject of our podcast
1: i could talk tiger all night <laughs> <laughs> it was a great I
0: story it that was awesome to see so uh yeah congrats to them congrats to the blue jackets good luck to them in the uh, stanley cup playoffs uh Bringing it back full circle to baseball, though, uh, my final thought is going to be uh, watching, probably watching Francisco Lindor in Columbus. If you're in Columbus right now, uh, get ready to watch. I think tonight, as we record this on on a Tuesday, uh, Francisco Lindor is in the starting lineup and playing it short for the captain or for the Clippers rather, and. It's a uh, exciting time to see Lindor get back on the field and hopefully uh, make it through his rehab assignment without any further setbacks uh, because the Indians need him. There's no doubt about it. And uh, The next week plus will we see Lindor play, playing at short for the Clippers. It's going to be fun. So if you're down in the Columbus area and you want to see uh, your all-star, maybe you don't get a chance to get up to Cleveland as much, you want to see your all-star shortstop, uh, playing uh, in person, uh, this is the time to do it. So uh, Mm. kind of a final thought, kind of a breaking news piece, just to remind people, uh, what bring people up to speed on what's going on with Lindor. So, uh,
1: So if the Indians are compelled to bring him up, the Clippers aren't home until a week from today, as we record this on Tuesday. They're at Louisville and they're at Toledo. So the Indians come back to Cleveland Friday to open a series with the Braves. And the Indians will be, or the uh, Clippers will be in Toledo. So I'm curious to see if he makes it down to Columbus. I hope he does so some of the Clipper fans can get to see him live. But it's a week away. He's in Louisville right now. They're in the top of the third, The uh, as I'm speaking right now, the Clippers and the Bats, the affiliate of the uh, Cincinnati Reds. And Lindor is one for two, and he left one on base. So he's got a base hit under his belt.
0: All right. Good start. So, uh, well, it's good it's another good show for us today. Um, be sure to follow us on Twitter. I'm at JakeDBaseball. Corey's at CD Christen. Tweet at us with any prospect questions. We'll try to answer them to the best of our knowledge. We're always up for some baseball talk. Um, oh, yeah. And golf talk. And golf talk. And some Tiger Woods talk. If you want <laughs> to just tweet at us to talk about golf and Tiger Woods, we can, we'll, we'll certainly engage on that, too. Uh, mm-hmm. But... Uh, as far as uh, plugs go, uh, as uh, as far as I'm concerned, the uh, uh, first four thoughts column with the season, I'm trying to work out the timing with my schedule, how I'm going to get these posted each week. It'll either post tomorrow or post on Thursday, so be on the lookout for that. I got some great topics. Well, a lot of James Karinchak talk, uh, bring you up the speed on some of the other pitchers in the organization who are off to a great start, and uh, also have my watch list of guys who are uh, – performing well and are worth keeping an eye on over the next week or so so when you're looking up those box scores you'll know who to watch for when uh uh when they come out or if you're going to the games themselves you know who's in the lineup to keep an eye on
1: so good stuff there uh, Corey. who do you what do you have the plug last week it finally got posted because i finally did it um everybody's in a hubbub over francisco lindor and his future in cleveland I took a look at the options. I went, as I would say, a mile wide and an inch deep on the prospects that the Indians have in the organization, not just for shortstop, for the middle infield. So there might be a few names that you you listeners and readers recognize from just this podcast, but um, I took I took a look at Yu Chang and Mark Mathias and then down at the a double-A with guys like Ernie Clement and even further. So... Just kind of a preview on what they are and what they're growing towards and what the organization seemingly is developing them towards. And also I gave my my take on the whole Lindor scenario and what's going on with him. So feel free to check that out. It's pinned on my Twitter page, so um, please go look at it.
0: All right, sounds good. Uh, so, again, uh, follow us on Twitter. Follow the show on Twitter at Smoke Signals IBI. Get all the links to the podcast there. Um, and then also follow the uh, – Official underscore IBI account for all of the links for the stories, breaking news, all that stuff you can find there. It's great. It's a great follow, great way to keep up to date on what's going on with the Indians and the farm system, so uh, check that out. Uh, subscribe to the show on uh, iTunes, and uh, also you can import the RSS feed to uh, any of your favorite podcast streaming services, and... Be sure to uh, rate and share as well. Spread the word around. We do not have any kind of advertising budget here on this podcast, so the way the the way that we uh, are able to get the listenership and grow it is to is by you guys spreading the word. So if you like Prospect Talk and you know people in your life who would appreciate it as much as you, please spread the word and uh, share it with your friends. Uh, we certainly appreciate it. So until next week, for uh, Corey Christen. I'm Jake Dung, and this is the Farmer Poor Podcast, and we say to you, Have a good one. For questions and comments, you can email us at smokesignals at IndiansBaseballInsider.com. Also, be sure to follow us on Twitter at Smoke Signals IBI, where you can find links to all our shows, as well as poll questions and other cool podcast stuff. Thanks again for listening.